podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Also, at some point... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so peace. I'm majestic. <laughs> My brother Justice Raji. Y'all just got to y'all just got some insight to like how the conversation be flowing from other stuff into this. And plus I want to say this. <laughs> so there, there that goes. Yeah. So um so I guess we can start off uh conversation uh today. Uh the Reverend. Uh, Jesse Jackson uh, uh, officially um, uh, resigned or stepped down from leading the Rainbow Push co- uh, Coalition. Uh, you know, mid month, I guess that was at the was at the weekend. I think it was the seventeenth at their annual convention. Indeed, and um, you know, I think it's. Uh, I was in Chicago actually when that happened. I guess we both were sort of Chicago. Was <laughs> that? Um, I think you might. I think you were flying out uh, sooner, and the uh, you know the overriding. Uh, he, he did show. Um, I was at the Netroots conference uh, for work, and he did show up. Did come through, make uh, an appearance in one of the, the closing um, evening like, keynotes, and I think it's important in a lot of ways, like at a moment, you know, to acknowledge one Jesse's role and work, you know, in sort of civil rights, political, um, you know, awareness strategy, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think we, we have spoken on the impact, the, the external impact or, yeah, I guess I'll say external, maybe that's not the best word, but impact of him running for president twice and mean in that the people who helped the campaign getting skills and access to the apparatus that allowed them to show up in future work <laughs> as it pertained to electoral politics um, and or government roles. Um, and also, you know, really, I guess, in a, in a, in a you know, I, I think it would be accurate to say, like, pushing the Democratic Party to be more explicit about its, uh, you know, how how Black issues are centered, you know, in, in, in the platform. Um, uh, and... And before anybody that's listening wants to run up, like I mean, if if the Republican Party wasn't any way open <laughs> to, to to Jesse Jackson running as a Republican, I'm sure as hell, I'm sure he would have did it. <laughs> but we <laughs> oh, all know yeah. that was not that is not the case. Well, I mean, that, that you know, I guess we will get to that in a moment, right? <laughs> like, right, right. But but uh, so, oh, I, can I just touch on something real quick? Yeah. So. You know, for the listeners, and and I think it's important. Often, I think about Ron Brown, um, and his role. And you know, Ron Brown is a 
for those who know, to know the importance of him, one, as a child of Harlem, um, as a deputy at the National Urban League with Vernon Jordan. Um, work, he then worked for Senator Kennedy. He supported Senator Kennedy when he ran for uh, president, right, in 1980, which was a really important thing that presaged 84 with, Je- with Jesse. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't support Jesse in 84. And then the way he came in in 84 and then supported him in 88. Mm-hmm. And amongst political circles, there's so much made of Ron Brown as is deserved. Every bit of Ron Brown's trajectory. If you don't, the book Basic Brown is a story of his life. Anyone who has any interest in the political history of Black folks in the context of how Barack Obama ends up as president, how Hakeem Jeffries ends up as, you know, minority leader, all the things we talk about tie back into Ron Brown in a certain sense. But it's important to remember that he only could do that because Jesse was Jesse. And for all of the stuff that we don't, people have challenges with Jesse or whatever you think about what happened on the balcony, that ain't, that, that ain't the place for this conversation. Mm-hmm. Whatever you think happened in a lot of places, whatever you think happened with him there in Washington, that ain't the place for this conversation. What is important is that it is not debatable that Jesse Jackson's run in 1984 changed the trajectory of the Democratic Party from that point on. That is an absolute fact. Mm-hmm. And that is important because along with that inspired, or I should say maybe in line with that inspired so many other things that we saw politically in this country. And so I just wanted to say that because I think sometimes we down, even in elevating Ron Brown, we can downplay the fact that Jesse Jackson making the decision to do it and then essentially making Jesse a relevant party in 88 with Dukakis then creates a space for, for Ron Brown to run Clinton's campaign, which then, you know, just changes everything, right? Mm-hmm. But if Jesse doesn't push the envelope, you don't get Ron Brown being able to deliver more. And so, you know, even in certain spaces where we're kind of like, you know, activism is an advocacy is put at a certain place. It's important to note that without him doing that, you don't get the shifts in the party that we came to see. You know what I mean? Indeed. I think it's, I think it's like, uh, It's been a thing for me, I guess, even over the last year and a half, but in more in private conversations, like the particular nature of the way we want, we, we, it's, I'll just say we've been encouraged to only see the negative or the shortcomings in like basically every public black political or social leader since Martin and Malcolm, like. It, and probably and including them too, like the right. negativity that can right. like 
frame the discussion of them. <laughs> um, which, you know, yeah. say like, you know, you know, the the, the nature of racism being racism, <laughs> like making you even go like, yeah, you know, like Martin, you know, it'd be kind of like, but Martin could have did this better. It's like, yeah, well, man, they killed that man in public while out advocating for his people and, and the world to be a better place. I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I guess he could have right. He could have went harder, right? He could have went way harder, I suppose. But they also killed him in public, right? Like, but you know what that is too? That's like the boondocks. Like, yeah, he could have went harder. But what? What the <laughs> fuck was your cousin and uncle doing during that time when he was out doing this? Like, were they out kicking ass and taking names? <laughs> I was like, yo, I, I think not. Like. You know what I'm saying? Was, were they attempted? Were they even, you know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, well, they was, but the system, you know, held them down. Like, okay, well, you know, they should have did a better job to not get knocked out before <laughs> we even heard about them. Like, we didn't even, they didn't even make it out the neighborhood with their activism. You know what I mean? Like, anyway. So, like, when it gets to Jesse, and because, and I remember our experiences when we talk about Jesse Jackson, like, I was, uh, I was speaking actually at a at a like a men's center uh, halfway house a few years ago um uh like somebody there i forget how that but basically asked if i would come and like and do like something during a uh you know black history drawing and just like talk about stuff and then talk about i can't remember what all they thought about because it was like seven years ago but if, long story short is after you know i kind of did like my my slides and little presentation about like the importance of black history month and important study in history da da relationship to what was happening in that space in terms of you know a program that was like halfway house men returning to the community uh and and, and then we you know one of the participants brought up like you know what do you think about like folks like Jesse who are like race baiters and da, da, da. and it was sort of like I I just I really rejected the the person's framing <laughs> of Jesse and his role because it was very like who told you he was like what do you mean a race baiter like what what does that mean but you know also had to like promote dialogue in that space so I couldn't be like nah man you talking some bullshit so I just I <laughs> but I framed it I said look I can't control how other people see Jesse Jackson's activism. Right, but you know, at the at the core is, you know, whatever you know, uh, misgivings at you know, uh, I, I mean, you know, things that could have been done differently, um, uh, things maybe been left out of campaigns or work today that he uh, was a leader in, and I, you know, I think the, the at least the, the overriding theme of my last, uh, you know. 10, 15 years you know, as a community member here is this this tension of age between folks of, you know, one generation of, like, political, social, community leadership and, like, newer, younger folks and the sense that maybe older folks aren't getting out the way fast enough for younger folks. Like, I've heard that kind of reference to Jesse, um, you know, or Jesse Jackson, you know, going over... Uh, negotiating stuff in other countries and, and other things and like Jesse Jackson as world diplomat like folks having misgivings about that but but ultimately it's like he, he took the reins to be a public leader around civil rights um, fair society around justice around political access you know um 
economic opportunity, but I don't feel that as it was as much of Jesse's like big pushes. Like at least I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I think space. I think the whole history of Operation Breadbasket is interesting. Um, that then shifted an Operation Push, and that that's for another time. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But just like the idea that like when people step out to be civic leaders, <laughs> um, you know, is everybody gonna be happy with their leadership? Um, yes, their their space they're taking, and then if you know the powers or the resources that be that could flow towards their work or the work that they lead, um, there is an opportunity cost. You know, you could you could say to like you know maybe if if they weren't as prominent, maybe this other thing would have went a different way. But I you know I don't feel like it's always fair. Um, I I guess I would say I don't want to have. The the this moment of 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 a of a of a active leader, you know you know, and the realities of age, right? Like the realities of of being an eighty one year old person, um, who was probably took on a lot of mental, physical, emotional stress, <laughs> being a public figure, um, getting to the point where it is best for for them to to not be like the public face and the public lead uh, of work, uh. But but also to make sure that we appreciate that, like, yeah, it, it's 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 hard to be the person that 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 leads these sorts of things. It's hard to run, you know, Rainbow Push Coalition. I know that I was reading one of the articles in the past about, like, you know, they had they they were like a local org, and then also had like a more national footprint of like you know active activating on issues, right? Like all that kind of like actual organizing takes a lot of work. <laughs> like it's not something that um we should just uh i think I, I i don't think people should i guess um downplay its importance or its value you know what i'm saying like you know uh, and i just i guess you know let's maybe my long convoluted way is like you know to make sure that we give jesse you know give jesse some flowers give him some love <laughs> you know for his own his dedication and you know whatever have you now you know i'm sure i, I could find somebody that could you know, give me, give me like why they don't rock with Jesse, and that's okay. That's that's okay too. Like it's okay for us to have um, critique of those who have been active leaders um, or or public, you know, representatives, you know, of 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 our collective interests. Because uh, that's also, I think, how do we, you know, how do we get better? How do we keep working on the things that we're working on if we don't aren't able to critique and say, "Hey, I don't really like their position on this. I don't like how that went down," or that was, ooh, that's interesting. Maybe not going want to pre- pre- repeat that particular uh, organizational decision. Um, but I don't think we need to uh, live in a binary world of like they were good or they were bad, and then. The bad ones we don't never want to talk about because they were bad. It's like I don't think you know I don't I don't think that's a winning strategy to building uh, future work. So yeah, that was my first. That was the thing I want to get off my chest. Yeah. So two things. One, you know, there's a book um, called "For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Politics." Um, for all the folks who are listening, you should go get the book. It's a story of four black women who have been involved in politics in their own way since like this, either the 70s or, or late 70s, early 80s. Um, all four of the women in the book have had um, an influence by the 84 Jackson campaign and the resulting 
one of the things they talk about in the book um, in particular is this idea that Jesse Jackson talks about, are you a tree shaker or a jelly maker? Right. And, you know, Jesse would say that to people. He would say, I'm a tree shaker. You have to go be a jelly maker, meaning I get the I get the fruit off of the tree through agitation and advocacy. There are other people who then take the fruit and turn it into a thing. And I think it's a really important concept to understand that there are people who don't do everything. Like, let's say we're talking about a a, a line in a like, you know, um, in, in like a factory factory line there are some people who put can who put lids on cans that's what they do they don't take something from beginning to end they put lids on cans and we should honor the fact they put lids on cans because it's actually more effective and so sometimes there are people who do a particular thing and we should acknowledge that we should not want them to be to do everything well right Mm -hmm. It's like kind of like this weird thing. We want people to do everything well and be above reproach and everything versus if someone is a tree shaker and they're good at it, let them do that if it serves the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. So I think Jesse Jackson and other people have been very good tree shakers. Then there are other people who have come to pass who have come become good, quote unquote, jelly makers. And we should acknowledge that. Um, and then two, I think there's this shift of the civil rights movement to what I would call the black political movement, which I think gets like left out of the conversation. So there's the civil rights movement. And then there's a time where specifically you start to see the congressional black caucus who often get left out of these conversations. Right. And then you see mayors in local areas. So when you get to 84, you get Jesse Jackson running, you already have mayors all across the country. Um, but, you know, you still have a Jesse Jackson or Farrakhan or, or, or other parties who it's important to remember this, other leaders, because it can, we can do this only one focus on Jesse, but thinking oh, there were a lot of other leaders during this time. Mm-hmm. And people were doing that. Then we get to a place of through the black political process that then elected officials we start to look at as the leaders. So it no longer becomes about this, the actual advocate. It becomes about the people who have been elected in whatever variety of ways that then we look at as like they are playing a role of leadership. I think it culminates with the election of uh, President Obama. And now goes on to a place and we've had going back and forth because I think obviously on the murder of George Floyd, you had people who were not elected officials who mattered. And then we're seeing something different occur now. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you say, OK, well, who speaks for us? And it's like, OK, well, people say, well, your elected officials should speak for us. Or what is this person doing? What is that person doing? Which will tie into our second conversation. So I think we just have to put it in context that there was a time where we looked at leaders who were not elected leaders and been like, what what are you doing for us? Where now we have a lot of elected leaders and we can make a judgment on what that looks like. But now people are expecting them to do things because you gave him a vote. With Jesse, you never voted for him. He just was talking. 
and to, to a degree, uh, Reverend Sharpton is very similar. Like, you didn't vote for him. He just was talking. But that's also true with reverends and imams. Like, you, you didn't vote for these people. Right. Right, right. But, like, they have, they, you know, they have a group of people who they represent and they're talking. So it's just figuring out how you get to this end game. And it doesn't happen to one person and wanting one person to be almost like figure it all out and be complete and be everything to everyone is unrealistic. And any group of people who have and maintain power, there's a variety of people who are part of that solution making. And to your point, I do want to say it's important and that the fact that, like Reverend Jackson said, you know what? I'm passing it over. And I'm passing it over because I want people to see that it's important for succession planning. <laughs> and succession planning doesn't happen on your time, <laughs> right? Like sometimes we're kind of in this world of like, you know, we've been listening to hip hop, so there's no country for old men, right? Mm-hmm. Or old women. So it's kind of like your favorite artist can't be older than 40, <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, once you're 40 or 45, you're too damn old, right? So it's like, but that's not how the world works. Yeah. So if it does take longer or if the people are clamoring for leadership, you know the great thing to go do? Be a leader. But here's the thing. Yeah. Leaders, leaders have followers. You can provide leadership and choose not to have a follower. That's fine. But leaders have people who are listening to them. So if you decide you want to be a leader, it implies by the nature of the word that there are people who are following you. Yeah. And if those leaders were as fortunate to have people who are willing to follow what they're saying, then take that into consideration when you critique or look at a new form of leadership, which is fine. But I don't think you have to look around too long to see that some of the newer (laughs) ideas of leadership have also had their own challenges. Yeah. And need to be critiqued as well as looking at some of the older ones. So, you know, that's my take. All right, all right. So, I mean, just to close, at least for me, on Jesse, just say, like, you know, I just want to acknowledge, you know, we, I mean, I guess, I mean, one, you know, the reality is, you know, the those who were leaders and public leaders, uh, you know, in the, you can say, like, the post-civil rights age from, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, they're getting up there, and, you know, in, in age and in time where, we, you know, we, you know, Vernon Jarrett, you know, we spoke on it. I guess it was almost a year, year and a half, two years, maybe past. Um, uh, um, uh, others, Brendan Jordan, pardon me, not Brendan Jared. Uh, the, um, you know, we've spoken on some others, and we'll probably speak on some others in the future. But I think it's important, you know, to just like just take a moment and give Jesse some props. You know, you know, thank him for his. His service as leader, I'm sure, you know, he still be present, you know, in spaces and, you know, it'll be something will happen in the public world and it'll be like something, you know, a message from the you know, Reverend Jesse Jackson on this issue, you know, I'm sure it will happen. But I think it's, I just think it's important to give, you know, give some props and some acknowledgement, you know, um, 
you know, it's a lot less. There's a lot of people have not put as much part of their life <laughs> centered on, you know, some level of community service voice. Um, and, and, uh, you know, and I think it's important to say, you know, good looking out. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate you, man. Like, you know. No, I want to say just for we just, I think that's important because the practicing of gratitude for service i think we take service for granted in our community mm-hmm. and i think sometimes because we think people got paid for it or people got famous for it that we should take service but you and i both know and those who are listening if you're listening to this you it's likely you understand this point service is taxing Service has its impact on you personally. Service has its impact on your community, on your family. Service has impact on everything. So I think, uh, you know, the idea of practicing the gratitude and not always trying to do a record <laughs> of like, was this good or bad? But it was what it was. What did you take from it and what did you move? It makes it whatever it is. And then we can figure it out from there. But to, to stand in gratitude is important. So thanks, Jess. In other news, um, in other crazy shit, (laughs) and why we need to make sure we acknowledge folks like Jesse Jackson, um, in the ongoing cycle or saga of um, what I don't even know what to call it, but foolishness of like, man, let's see how much we can play in your face before (laughs) before you before you snap on us, um. And I and I I want to be uh well this ain't depressing I'm I'm not you know any put you can just put a big allegedly on <laughs> anything I say in this form <laughs> if you you know in case somebody like well you you said something wasn't true about thing basically uh the state of Florida uh released or were preparing to release these uh, updated their state state educational standards around teaching Black history um which included. At least um, <laughs> one that, and to me, it's just it's just the absurdity that you would even have these two words in the same sentence talking about slavery. But you can't have slavery and then talk about that that there may have been some personal benefit. You just can't. Okay, you just can't do it, Florida. Can't do it, anybody. Anybody's like, well, I mean, it could have. Like, you just can't. Um, besides the fact that the idea, and, and I, you know, maybe I, I don't know if I should find it. It's like I don't want to help their 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 Q scores or something by by me making sure I found the uh uh the, the house. I should find it just because it's you know maybe there'll be one person out there that'll be like you didn't look what they really said you 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 just going on conjecture you just running your mouth you know that sort of thing um but the the the, the essential issue <laughs> um. It's just like folk we we operate we've we've talked about in our conversations how many folks operate in a fully ahistorical manner as it pertains to just about everything right and and I understand like every every aspect of the human experience does not need to be like rooted in some uh you know historical analysis i mean uh, i mean even yeah uh you know throwing uh, this is me y'all kinda but but like yeah <laughs> kinda. Like a dude, but like you know, well, I'm saying like if you tell me you you like you know you like uh you like the uh you like peanut butter and jelly, but every once in a while you might eat a eat a crustable, which is the the most sugary and sweetest, <laughs> like 
Like, you know, if you ever worked around an after school program and they got them crustables and you hungry, man, a little crustable come through in the clutch. It is not, you know, like for, you know, like we could get into a debate about like if you should be eating those, if you know, if you could just make them, you know what I'm saying? Anyway. I'm with you. Liz, I'm with you. Yeah, you know I'm saying so that's all I'm saying. But the, the point being, because if we don't one, it's a I'm always I'm I mean I'm not surprised I'm not surprised when people don't know like certain like clear facts about the past, right? But I am totally almost astounded sometimes when people will assume shit that's totally ridiculous <laughs> about the past. Or like don't know, but still feel like stridently comfortable moving forward with what they think they know. So to be like, well, yeah, you know, because they didn't know how to do anything. They were just, they were just what like traditional hunter gatherer farming and uh, farming economies and metallurgy and um, uh, nomadic uh, herdsmen and uh, salt traders and like, you know, the the folks who um and the data is the data is out there for those that don't know that you know as much as there was you know direct trade and trade of prisoners of war there was actually a, a very high rate of if you could sneaking up on some people who didn't know an army was coming and killing and kidnapping them and taking them on a boat and and leaving leaving you know that those lands once you know as those apparatus became sophisticated enough to do so um and the intentional going and getting folks who knew how to farm rice because West Africa being one of the, you know, the two centers of the world where like people farmed rice you know, for, 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 for centuries. And so like the rice that was the primary product of, you know, South Carolina or the Carolina uh, colonies, Georgia, other stuff, you know, as you know, they, they, they intentionally went to get West Africans who could do that already. Um, like, AKA, when you talk about the Gigi's and everybody, somebody black in your family that you talk about to eat everything with rice. It is a historical and economic reason <laughs> that you say that. Now, the fact they got a gold tooth is different. But right. the fact that, <laughs> but the fact of why you talk about that is not. I mean, just I added some levity to Justice yeah, statement, but it no, it all, it all reality. Like no, that and it only takes a cur. To your point, God, it only takes a cursory glance to research this stuff. Like, you know, uh, the old man, Urban Bard, now being facetious, but uh, Sean Carter said, "Google's your friend, bro." Like, <laughs> like you could check this stuff out of, like you said, who went. Who went and got who? Why? Right. And again, as you and I have both talked about on here, the relationship to the indigenous people of this land was also much more complicated than we give it credit for. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hence, when I will go on my yearly issue about Thanksgiving and, you know, whatever, I'll leave that to the end and everybody can be angry at me then. I won't spoil it in July. I won't spoil it in July for when you're mad at me in August. I mean, mad at me in November talking about like, you know, but it's about time we come together. Um, but, you know, the the idea that this stuff can be a historical and it's because it's how you see it or how you think about it or what lends itself to how you feel about it. 
right? So there, there is a there is a derivation of sorts in my mind of like, yes, can people have alternative views on things based on looking at the history? That's, that's fine, right? And it can be played out with, you know, historical context. Then there's, this is how I kind of like look at it, which is different because it's not about are you looking at the history as what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then that goes into how I feel about it. And I think we're at a place in this country, in this world, kind of, we're on some like, what is how I feel about it? Which is how you get a set of people who actually tell you that people benefited from being taken as prisoners of war or being sold because we you know this is not one of them places we're not a <laughs> we're we're not a historical mm-hmm. but also it's important to remember that there was a place where people were sold by other people however it is also not debatable that American chattel slavery was unique in its ability to try to create an economic engine and what it had to foster and what it had to do as a kind of process was unique until that time in economic history in political and social history. And so I'm saying that to say that like, you know, the idea that you frame it and say, well, no, even though the history's all in and Google's your friend, people did okay with it. So why should we debate it? The idea of it and for it to happen in a state like Florida, which again has these political overtones from who I'm going to frame Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, is a Christian nationalist warrior, or at least he's running as one. Mm-hmm. He is running as something actually very, very different than we've ever seen. There is a there is a tendency to compare him to Trump. But in actuality, if you compare the Trump that ran in 2016 to the DeSantis running now, they are entirely different. It goes, it's pretty deep to say that DeSantis is actually running to Trump's right. <laughs> yes, though. Right? Like, how can you actually say with all the crazy shit that Donald Trump has said? Because he and he does he doesn't believe any of it anyway. Like, I you know, I think it's important for us to recognize this. Donald Trump doesn't believe any of the shit he ever has said. <laughs> Donald Trump wants power. And whatever he had to say to keep power, he would do. That's not saying that's okay. It's just saying it's reality of it. But when you get someone like DeSantis that's actually running and Trump is like, oh, man, I wouldn't say no shit like that. That, that ain't cool. Like, that's why. <laughs> like, oh, man, you heard what he yeah. said? <laughs> you got to go pretty goddamn far to actually be there. <sighs> and it's like, You know, it's like uh, you know. I, I've read a couple articles where, like, some people were like, yeah, but like that we're on the panel, we're like, yeah, yo, you should, y'all really, really shouldn't do this. Like, <laughs> like, you really shouldn't put this in in there in any way. Like, 
but it's the um you know in our modern age like as a like almost like you know, it's like your man's that went on the the this the this the the house floor or whatever or in the committee meeting. I couldn't for sure which one it was and said like colored persons. Like you know what you're doing, dog. Like why are you playing in my face, man? Cause you know nobody say that, man. Like don't no no don't no white person refer to a black person as colored. Unless they had the uh, unless one they're like while old and somebody happened to come get them out to the, they take them to the care home or and you or know, out of a tomb like they was in they've been in the in the cut for a really long time and they like and the colored girl came in here and helped me with my feet today right like and you'd be like oh man mr johnson you, you know we don't really say colored no more like that ain't cool like like i know you're 97 like you, you know i know you're 112 like you, you may not have heard about like oh yeah that's right i'm not supposed to say colored pardon me but she, she took it they really helped me today right like and that's being justice being very positive okay i'm being very positive and giving mr this fictional character a bit of <laughs> Uh, you sound like you, you you sound like Eddie Murphy when you're saying this. I, I gotta tell you, <laughs> right? So, like the idea that this that you would like you're doing this, like the, the the tactical question I asked hard to ask. I'm like, are there that many of these folks that want to vote this way that when they hear you throw that, you know, throw that 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 gap, that they blow that whistle that they're like, yeah, I can't wait to vote for you because I've been thinking this. Like, are are there really that many of them, or is it sort of like, are you also sort of going like, how far can I pull, you know, conservative folks over towards me, right? Can I can I get away with this? It, like, it, like I'm I, I really am curious. Like, is the rationale like, yo, let's do it. Let's just see if it's little. Let's just say it. what they gonna do. They gonna vote for the, the Democrat, right? Like, they gonna vote for us or him? They only got two people. Right. And, and I so I agree. And this is part two of my point about this. Not only are you outrighting, you are you to Trump's right. <laughs> Representative Donalds and other black folks in the Republican Party who, you know, whatever you think about where they stand, you know, I just always like to submit there's always been a strand of black Republicanism that obviously the Republican Party has moved. So the J.C. Watts in the 90s and, you know, uh, the brother that be on MSNBC that used to work for uh, Marion Barry, like, mm-hmm. um, they were Republicans, but clearly different Republicans than some some other Republicans today. But even when you get Tim Scott, obviously he has a he has a dog in the fight. But even Representative Donalds, you know, from from uh, Florida, pretty conservative. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know. You'd argue with him at the cookout. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, it, it it would get haywire. It, it would get you know it get a little tense at the end of the night over with Hennessy and Crown Royal. Um, him talking about people not going to get jobs and not having to get up and go. <laughs> when then he's like, "Yo, dog, slavery is the country's original sin, dog." Like, <laughs> when they. When they rebuke you like, dog, I live in your state and you're too far out. Like you're tripping. Right? <sighs> it, it's so much to be said that you tease this, but also I want to share this. 
This is where the role of independent education in communities, and, and I'm using this as a broader context of knowledge itself here, right? We have some specific elements that we, that we deal with as we share our, you know, mm-hmm. the two people talking, <laughs> freaking frack, right? <laughs> Indeed. But the broader context and sense of knowledge itself in independent education in communities, this is why it's so important. And this is why when we're having the dialogue around education, it ain't just whatever you would say, reading, writing, you know, a sense of skills, understanding the world. There's also stuff that in this fifth, in the frankly, going back to the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, shit, go back to actually the 1800s. Black folks were like, yeah, you know what? We have to tell our own community a set of things about ourselves so that we never make sure that y'all don't tell us something about ourselves that isn't true. Right. That's why, whether you're talking about an actual school, whether you're talking about a community center, whether you're talking about brothers and sisters on the corners, whether we're talking about, you know, uh, television programming or audio programming or plays. That's why a sense of self-education in our communities is actually more important than ever. Because, you know, it's easy to say I'm not going to Florida, right? Like, you know, because that's, I think, people's first thing. I'm not going to Florida. I want to share something that people may or may not know. There's a lot of black folks in Florida. Right. (laughs) And the idea of you not going to Florida because Ron DeSantis is a Christian nationalist warrior. The question to ask yourself is, who are you putting out of a job when you don't go to that hotel you went to to go hang out at the Fountain Blue, even though you didn't stay there? Right, because y'all know y'all go to them hotels. Y'all don't stay at the Fountain Blue, but y'all go hang out there like y'all stayed there. Yeah, you go leave it. You know, play the lobby. How, Bars. In in the lobby. Um, who do you harm? And so, are you waiting for all the rest of the Christian? Are you waiting for all the rest of the white white nationalists to go hang out in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Tampa to make sure that black folks have a job, or? Are we going to make sure that we're empowering people in those places along with the fight and advocacy to get this uh, fought, you know, to get this pushed back to make sure that people get what they need? So, you know, we can think about multiple solutions to issues and we can be offended by the issue, but we also have to think about how are we standing up, you know, buttresses to make sure that people are well even if someone's taught that someone benefited from slavery. And I'm not leaving out my white brothers and sisters who could ostensibly go to the school being taught that slavery was okay. But guess what? There are white people being taught that slavery was not all bad right now anyway. Oh, yeah. Every day. It, I'm always amazed when you got to kind of go like, well, you know, like slavery. I'm like, oh, you just kind of yada yada over like rapacious violence. <laughs> For servitude, like it was, it wasn't like, oh yeah, you know, nice slave. You know, sometimes you just couldn't go outside when you wanted to. Like, nah, man, like it. It was open, wanton brutality, right? And it, it's, uh, I, I think it's, 
you know, one, I guess it's one, like, will this moment like hold meaning will like, will, will, will folks keep bringing this, keeping this kind of conversation alive? I mean, cause because it's become this like abstract thing, like, you know, you know, it's not abstract to those who actually involved in education. Cause you're like, well, actually that's how you, you know, the standards that are there in your state, you know, then dictate, you know, what can be how you're educated as well as a structure curriculum and, and lessons around, you know, meeting those standards. That's like how we're supposed to objectively measure if the kids are learning what they're learning. Right. Um, but I think for most people, you know, you didn't know that there were standards when you were in school. Um, so therefore this is, this is sort of like, Oh wait, there, there was like a playbook. There was like stuff we were supposed to know. <laughs> like that was someone spent time on that. Like, yeah, there's, that's how, that's how curriculums work. Um, and just the the idea of seeing all this play out and like, you know, will, um, you know, you know, especially the prominent, you know, black conservatives, elected officials say, hey, I'd say to their party, like, hey, man, y'all can't be like this ain't cool. Like, because, you know, it is almost one of those like. Folks outside of of, of their um political or you know in, in in uh organizing sphere they're going to discredit and devalue their pr- perspective on this um you know at any at any moment but you know i would think at least the people that you say you're in your in your wheelhouse y'all would go hey you know maybe maybe we should like maybe I, you know maybe we shouldn't be you know really trying to push these ideas you know this this is uh you know i don't know i don't know if that's I'm just curious if it will hold. Will it? Will this still be something that will stay stay alive, you know, into you know next spring, as um or early? I guess early start of the year when the first primaries and stuff really start going. Like um, you know, and if 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 between this and uh, you know, uh, what's the other? Uh, if 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 your man gets you know, more indictments will, will any of that actually, I mean, this is a fascinating study in, in the American democratic, uh, reality, uh, democracy, meaning like, not like democratic party, but like democracy, like democratic reality of the United States as a country and civics wise, like all sorts of wild tests for what democracy means are going to happen over the next year with like, so it's, you know, someone who might be about to get convicted, like it doesn't expressly say you can't be president <laughs> while in prison. I mean, practically, obviously you can't, but you know, I don't know. Like, or even just multiple times of being like indicted. Right. Like at some point, at some point it has to be like, we we, we can't be doing this, right? We're not doing this, right? Like I, I would just think if you were a supporter, at some point you go like, I mean, they can't all be lying. <laughs> right. Or you start to think, like, even if you say that there's a system that wants to, you know, harm people, mm-hmm. you still look and say, okay, well, after two or three, four or five times, like, wait, but was he, was he there? <laughs> like, did, some, did someone hide something? Like, is, is that worth a conversation? Is like, it a look? <laughs> is it worth a look to say maybe somebody hid something and then, like, yo, they just keep indicting him? Like, but the fact that the person that keeps getting indicted <laughs> is actually to the left of the person who's trying to say slavery benefited people. Like, like they, they could have got some skills. Yeah, you know I'm saying, might have picked some some pointers up. <laughs> like, yo, that is so 
that is so wild. Like the idea of, of, of this man, like, Oh man. So yeah, man. Like, you know, it's very similar to the whole thing around, like, you know, the idea that, you know, cause it, I read something the other day that made a good point. The Supreme court didn't end affirmative action. The Supreme court said affirmative action could not be used in making a decision around college admissions by itself. Mm-hmm. Like the Supreme court did not get rid of that across the land. Yeah. People may decide to respond to it like that, but that's actually not what it said. Yeah. It said race-based admissions on only race alone is an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think we have jumped so far that we're just like, oh no, you just got rid of everything. No, you didn't get rid of everything. You got rid of that, and it's making, you know, to the degree that people think this is important, it's making folks now look at legacy. Because if you couldn't use strictly race, can you use legacy? And some, some like, colleges are preemptively getting rid of it because they know that the moment that you got rid of race as a use, getting rid of legacy will soon come anyway, which I think is going to have profound influences on colleges, universities in America. Yeah. And it, yeah, and I think it's uh and I guess I would say this is my like kind of closing thought like on this. Like, you know, on the other the broader side of all this is will will folks, you know, will more people take up the like I said, un- like understanding how all this stuff works. And then realizing, like, some of these things, you know, um, the way a small group of small representative body of people can lay something out that will shape the perception, can shape the perception of the great masses of people, (laughs) Um, can leave, um, you know, I guess I'll say it faster. We need people to be involved in in these things and to pay attention, um, and then also understand like, you know, it's okay to call question folks like intent and go like this. Really seems like you are trying to be intentionally destructive, and 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 and, and further, you know, this is like objectively just not true, <laughs> and therefore we shouldn't we shouldn't put that in standards that we're going to use to educate the children. Um, and then boiling down to when you look at things like, um, you know, because then that feeds into sort of the 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 perception of uh, what what are the what are, what is the impact of a racially oppressive society, you know, and and in the different ways and stages that it has been racially repressive, <laughs> As, and on that fact, on on that axis, you know, not into the exclusion of other axes of oppression and control, and then to go you know, what is the case for then people who are connected to that experience being a part of the places that we, we, we frame at least as the sources of the best of the best and the brightest of the brightest who we were going, we're going to give status and credit and a leg up in consideration for all types of public and private leadership roles in our society. And if we're going to do that, we can't, 
we can't just act like we, we just we just can't be that foolish is, is how I see it. We can't be so foolish as to go like, oh, it doesn't matter what their race is. It's like, no, it actually does. You know, and, you know, and there's a lot of different ways, you know, if we had more time and I felt it was an appropriate public conversation to have um, around like why, what are the risks to a society if you constantly keep, you know, some people out, <laughs> like where we're going. So, you know, hopefully just for everybody, just, you know, Please pay attention. And if you ever if you've never read your state, if your state does full state standards, because I don't know, I don't think all states don't necessarily. Although no, states all states do, don't know some, something. Especially, different. frankly, uh, a lot of them. The further you get west, not as in California and Oregon, but the further you get in the middle, gets a little. Yeah. It's a little iffy on state standards. Yeah. <laughs> they they, they homesteaders have... and you know Sooners and shit. yeah, they have like a. You know, or the state standards are more vague, and then the county or your or your district or your educational service district, or there's a lot of ways this stuff happens. But you know, wherever you live, go look up your standards and see what they say. Because you know, maybe maybe about ten years ago, now when the comic people were all up in arms about Comic Core, and now most people, you know, have no idea what the standards are <laughs> in, in in their community. But there was people was out throwing rocks and stones at Comic Core. Uh, you know, in, in the mid, uh, you know, 2010s or whatever. Um, and this is not an endorsement of, or 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 up or down on Comic Core. I'm just saying, I remember when people was all mad about it and now nobody remembers. So, you know, things move quickly and this can get quickly brushed under the rug. So that's my last thing you got to say. Stakes is high. But, you know, this one, <laughs> one tell y'all, you know, um, Maybe not the next one, but we're gonna have a conversation about this hip hop at fifty shit. Oh yeah, <laughs> like we have to have this conversation. It's as you know, it's gonna be a wang dang doodle. When we have it, <laughs> so if you want to connect what I was saying at the beginning to the end of this conversation, that's it. <laughs> Absolutely. So with that, I mean, you know, I say. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Uh, you can support the podcast by listening, sharing, and liking and subscribing wherever it is that you listen. Um, I will save you all the other things I regularly say at this point because you know what to do if you listen. If not, you know, please uh, stay tuned and thank you for joining us for these conversations much appreciated so with that i'm gonna not be labor the point and let you go